you might think that there's no hope. This is just the way it is. I've had intermittent flare-ups for years, and that's the way my dad did it, and that's the way my grandpa did it. And you'd be like, nope, nope, that's not the case. That was Dr. Christopher Parker. He's a former Army physician who currently serves as the chief of rheumatology at Austin Diagnostic Clinic. He specializes in treating people with gout and rheumatoid arthritis, and he's also our guest on today's AFPA Patient Access Podcast. I'm Josie Peterson, Director of the Alliance for Gout Awareness. Dr. Parker, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Now, a recent survey showed that nearly 30% of patients have hidden their gout attacks from loved ones. Why do you think that's the case? Well, there might be a lot of reasons, but I think one of the most important ones is patients will often blame themselves for flares because they have this false belief that the only reason they're flaring up is because of some dietary indiscretion. They might have had some good food, went out to dinner just recently or uh, had an extra adult beverage. And, and it was only that that really triggered the attack when in fact many people, even if they were fasting, would, would flare up. So they, they hide it because they, they, they feel like they only have themselves to blame. Interesting. And where does that um, myth about diet come from? Well, I think all myths have a, a hint of truth in there, so I don't want to say it's it's all myth, um, because most patients with gout do recognize that dietary indiscretion can certainly cause flare-up, but it doesn't have to be that way. And how can patients recognize the symptoms of gout? Um, you know, what should patients who may be experiencing their first attack do? Yeah. So gout is a type of arthritis. That's what I want to make sure everyone understands. So the, the joint that is involved is sick and oftentimes it'll swell up and hurt a lot. So it's different than just what I'm going to call normal wear and tear arthritis. Gout is um, a much more inflammatory problem and that's why it, it'll get hot and red and swollen. It'll hurt so bad. It'll change your priorities you want to try to get a firm diagnosis as quick as possible. So I wouldn't try to just, you know, gut it out at home um, and, and take a bunch of ibuprofen. I mean, you want to try to, I, I would think if it hurts a lot, you want to get it gone as fast as possible. Absolutely. So patients are, are dealing with agonizing pain, yeah. the inability to, to, to walk around comfortably. Um, mm. But what, what is stopping them from going to the doctor typically? Well, I think there's a lot of things that'll keep people from the doctor. First, I'm just thinking, I'm just putting myself in their shoes. If I had a horrendous toe or foot or ankle problem and I went to an ER emergency room, it's an emergency for me, but emergency rooms are often triaging these people non-urgently right? Because they're not having a sure. heart attack or a stroke or something that's going to shorten their life or end their life or something like that. So they go, man, if I go to an ER, you know, I'm going to be there for so many hours before I even get seen by a doctor. And I think another reason why people don't go though, is they go, well, whether they know it's God or not, they might go, well, all he's going to do is give me some pain pills. I can do that at home and save myself a lot of money because cost is always a factor when it comes to medical care, 
it's because it's expensive, right? It's x-rays and blood tests and the doctor visit and all that kind of stuff. So there is another thing that'll keep people from going. And then I got to say, in my view of the world is guys, as a rule compared to gals, they just always want to tough it out and not go. I mean, the worst about going to doctors, right? Where, um, you know, in general, um, ladies will say like, no, I got to get this thing figured out. <laughs> I don't want this to come back, whatever's going on. But time and time again, you'll see guys just try to tough it out and mochismo, I can handle it, right? It's, that's not a good strategy either. Yeah, that makes sense. And but it's so important for, for folks to go in and, and see a, a healthcare provider. That's right. Um, especially since many are also facing other conditions. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So gout is a disorder where a normal waste product in your body builds up. And that waste product is called uric acid. Everybody has uric acid. And so one common thing that um, patients with gout have, as you might guess, is if their kidney function is diminished for any reason, it can make that uric acid build up. So if this is the first sign of diminished kidney function, that's something else you'd want to know. But if you had uh, diminished kidney function, you could still totally get gout because that uric acid, that normal waste product builds up and causes its own problem. So that's another reason why when people come in, their very first gout attack or they've had it once and now they're, they're seeing me and it's their second attack and now they want to do something. I think to myself, hmm, could they have something else going on that they don't know about that we need to address to help them? Sure. That makes sense. So, so the vast majority of patients mm-hmm. do require medication yeah. to control their s- disease, right? What are you know, some of those medications? Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify that correct statement. Um, but just I want to amplify it a little bit that most people need medicines to control their condition. And here's the word successfully, successfully in the United States, the most common pills to be used allopurinol. And most patients have heard of that if they've looked up gout on the internet, it's a very commonly used inexpensive medicine. It's been around more than 40 years. And most doctors that treat in the primary care world or if they're gout specialists, rheumatologists, um, they're very familiar with how to use that medication. And a backup medication that is commonly used is one called Febuzostat. That one's newer. It's only about 10 years old. Um, it's still a brand name product, but it's near the end of its lifespan as a brand name product. And, and then it'll become generic and less expensive as well. And so I have two excellent pills. There's a few less commonly used pills that I won't go into because they're just so uncommonly used. And then um, I will mention that if somebody has very severe gout, so much so that pills are not really being effective at controlling the uric acid. I have um, an IV medicine, so it's not a pill, it's an IV medicine called pegalodicase. And I only need that temporarily. I usually end up using it for a matter of months to get things under control. And then I'll switch somebody to a pill to do the maintenance. So you touched on something that I, I want to go back to. Yes. Um, so 
when patients try to just ignore their symptoms, yes. they can end up with uncontrolled gout. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what uncontrolled gout is and what the long-term effects of that can be? Sure. sure. So the f- I'm, I'm going to kind of break it up into a couple different um, groups of people that I, that I commonly see. So the first group of uncontrolled gout people are those that we talked about earlier where they just don't go see the doctor. They don't ever try to take the bull by the horns and start working on it. And then there's another group of people who take their medicines intermittently. So when they're having troubles, they go up, I got to start getting, you know, on the stick here and take my medicine. They get their uric acid under control and they quit having attacks. And then six to 12 months goes by and they think, oh, I must be good again. I don't need to do this. I don't need to pay a copay for my medicine. And they stop it only to have the uric acid build up again and start having attacks again and then have to re-engage with their doctor um, to get medicine again. And so they keep kind of yo-yoing in and out and never get things under control. So they're in control too, right? And that's a pretty common group of people. And then the last group I'll mention are those people who are really doing everything they can that they know of to control the uric acid, meaning they're being as good as they can with diet. They're going to their doctor visits. They're checking their labs. They're taking their medicines. But because they're either medically complicated or they're just uric acid making machines, um, they really need to connect with a a rheumatologist, a subspecialist who specialize in gout because it's just beyond what the primary care doctor or internal medicine doctor, they don't have enough tools in the toolbox to manage it. All of those groups of people can have uncontrolled gout and they they need a specialist to get them under control by either using fancy medicines or helping them be adherent to taking their medicine regularly. And then that first group they just need to kind of get in here and get seen. So really the, the um, basic premise, I guess, is that patients with uncontrolled gout yeah. do have options. Oh, man. Yeah, they there definitely are have ways that they could get their their uric acid under control. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and really our message, if there is one, you want to walk away from these podcasts and this education as one of hope. You might think that there's no hope. This is just the way it is. I've had intermittent flare-ups for years and that's the way my dad did it. And that's the way my grandpa did it. And you'd be like, nope, nope, that's not the case. Um, your dad didn't have the medicines that we have now, nor did your grandpa. And we have specialists that um, are very knowledgeable and experienced in using these medicines and, you know, come in and get the help that you need. I think that's that's really such an important message to um, that there is hope for patients that, you know, there, there is hope of a better life mm-hmm. and, and one where your gout is under control. That's right. That's exactly it. So, so Dr. Parker, you serve as our Alliance for Gout Awareness Medical Advisor and have been very passionate about the need for greater understanding about gout. Why do you think there's such a need for improved awareness? I think there's a variety of reasons why um, 
we have such limited understanding of gout because literally doctors have known about gout for more than a thousand years. And one of the reasons that I think we, the, the medical community needs help on managing gout is because they have this um, sense that gout is really simple. It's a very easy disorder that we've known about for a long time and therefore it doesn't really require like a specialist. So they just kind of are, are a little more, a little more lackadaisical about managing it um, sometimes. And then, and then ultimately things don't go well. So that's number one. Number two, because gout is a common illness, most patients know someone who has gout if they ask. And many families have, you know, a lot of gout in the family. And so what happens in those situations is they get lackadaisical about seeing somebody and they go, oh yeah, dad had that, grandpa had that, uncle Dave has that. And then they think they don't have to go in. And then, you know, grandma says, you just wrap up your ankle and tea leaves and that'll work. Or they have some other home remedy that, you know, nowadays people like to take turmeric and uh, ginger and some other, you know, whatever natural product is in vogue. And they think that's going to do the whole trick in making it not come back. And so that leads to a lot of knowledge gaps. Um, and then sadly, I think the internet you'd think is a great source of information, but I'm going to say it's also a really good source of bad information. And for any of our listeners who are looking for resources, please feel free to check out our website at www.goutalliance.org. Dr. Parker, thank you so much for sharing your insight and expertise today. We typically end each podcast with a lightning round. So you have 20 seconds, one sentence to answer each of the following questions. What's the one thing you wish the public understood about gout? Yeah, the one thing I wish they understood is if they have gout, they have to check their uric acid levels and make sure that the uric acid remains under six to be successful. You're very into sport and fitness. Mm -hmm. What sport do you most enjoy participating in? Um, Weightlifting. For those listening who may know someone with gout, how can they best support their loved one through a gout attack? Sympathy. Um, Even if they can't fix it, just don't minimize it. This thing really hurts. Mm, That's good. Uh, this is a good one. What song are you most likely to sing karaoke? Uh, karaoke means in front of people like at a, with a, with one of those machines. I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> fair, fair, fair answer. <laughs> and last, uh, you do a lot of advocacy in public yeah. speaking. What is the most memorable destination your work has brought you? Um, Remote areas like uh, Alaska or Hawaii are the furthest I've traveled. Very cool. Dr. Parker, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Josie, very much for having me, and I'm happy to do it again.